Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm attorney Barry Vogel, inviting you to stay tuned right now for a conversation with Holly Madrigal, candidate for 3rd District Supervisor, and John Pinches, the incumbent 3rd District Supervisor. I visited with each of them in the studios of Radio Curious on October 8, 2010, and I asked them the same questions in the same order. We begin now with John Pinches, 3rd District Supervisor. Let's talk about the Willits Bypass. Where should it be and how should it be implemented? Well, the Willis Bypass, as everybody knows, we got one permit to go before we actually go, go to construction. It's been a long process. I got involved in it in 1998 when we committed the, the, uh, the, all of the county stip money toward the project. It's, uh, it's a big project. It's the largest construction project in the history of Mendocino County. A lot of people are not really satisfied with the route, but you need to understand one thing. By going through a 12 uh, your permit process to this level, uh, you have to deal with all the agencies, all the environmental reviews, and uh, it had to weave in and out of some Oakland, some grasslands, some wetlands. Do you believe it will happen? Yes, I do. When? Worst case scenario, it will be two more years. In my best case scenario, it will potentially be able to go out to bid by next summer. Let's um, move on to redistricting of the uh, supervisors' districts. The census was taken uh, this year. It uh, appears that there are fewer people on the coast compared to the number of people inland. That means that there will be an opportunity for the supervisors to redraw the districts. How would you redraw them? Well, I've advocated for years. I advocated this when I was on the board in the 90s before that our districting boundaries in Mendocino County are basically based on a north-south axis. If we change those boundaries and base them on east-west axis, in other words, to where all five supervisory districts would have a portion of the coast, all would have a portion of the inland corridor, and all would have a portion clear to the national forest. Yes, there would be bubbles in the districting lines, just like we have bubbles now on a north-south axis. But if we change the basis to an east-west axis, first of all, I believe it would give extremely better government, because number one, we would have five supervisors that represent a small a portion of the coastal area and would be more involved in the coastal commission issues and that and such and the ocean protection all that we would have five inland supervisors that would have a piece of the 101 corridor and we would have five supervisors that would take more interest in what's going on in our national forest which is the whole eastern side of mendocino county so it'd be it'd, it'd be a new way of doing business but i think it would give the people better representation it would make these five supervisors whoever they are into the future be a more tentative to the coastal issues and the national forest issues. Let's talk about the unfunded pension obligations that the county has to county retired employees that are constitutionally mandated. How do you propose to pay them? Uh, the way we're paid, you know, the, any pension debt is paid by, a, it's kind of like a three-legged stool. You have the employer contribution, which is a county of Mendocino, the employee contribution, which is the employees, and the uh, investment income that the retirement system makes. So any obligation in the future has to be. And that's what the unfunded pension liability is, is it's it's not actually a debt. If you, if you look at the county's uh, 
auditing firm. They don't include it as a debt. But it is a liability that's, that's going to have to be paid in the future. You know, the unfunded liability, the pension system, it's a huge amount of money that has to be come up in the future, and there has to be a plan, which there is a plan for the payment of that. Well, I'm asking you for your plan, but number one, the employees have already contributed their share. Number two, the county doesn't have enough money to pay it. And number three, the investments failed. Well, number I, I disagree with you on it. First of all, you say the employees have already paid it. No, the employees are paying into the Those retirement the system. Those are the current system. employees paying for the past employees. That's, what? Exactly, that's exactly right, and that's how retirement system work. That's not endemic to Mendocino County. That's how all retirement system work, Barry. But the situation here is, which is controlled by the state constitution, is that the employees who are now retired paid in a portion of their uh, earned income at the time of their employment. And now that money is no longer available, yet there's a requirement that they should be paid. So my question is, well, how would they be paid? I, dis- I disagree with that. You say the, n- n- the money is no longer available. There's over $300 million in the Mendocino County Retirement F- Fund investments in the retirement system. So to say that there's no money there, that's not that's not the truth. And how it would be paid, yes, we're in a situation where the where the unfunded liability is rising, so that will mean that the employee contribution, which is the county's contribution, no doubt is going to go up. The county is the employer, but when you increase the employee, that's a meet and confer issue can only be done through negotiations and it'll take some law change. Now the everybody understands that, you know, the retirement system took about a 28% loss of, of book value What was because the stock market, market crash. You've got to realize this is the worst economic time since the Great Depression. Also, the, one of the biggest problems is when I was on the board in the 90s, the retirement system was making double-digit returns, around 12% or better. Now those returns, the, the five-year smoothing of Precton projection is hoping they're going to get 8%. I don't believe that. I think those projections need to be, to be lowered. But, you know, that's where we are. This is not endemic to Mendocino County, the CalPERS estate, all retirement system, or your private 401ks have taken a large hit. We'll have to bite the bullet. There's several things we can do to meet that. Uh, contributions will have to go out the, up. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, it's uh, we're looking with our new negotiations with our bargaining groups that we've already got approval. They've uh, give the nod that they they will allow us for new employees to have a different tier uh, retirement system. So we work, are working on a lot of things. When the board previous boards and I was on when we borrowed the thirty million for the pension obligation bond, and then the later board borrowed another ninety million dollars. That was one hundred and twenty million dollars in pension obligation bonds that were borrowed. Right now, the total debt of the of the pension obligations bonds is eighty eight million dollars. So to reduce that from one hundred and twenty to eighty eight, you know, we're on track. We have some bumps in the road, but to say that we have no plan, that is a complete falsehood. Well, I don't believe I said you have no plan. I asked how you propose to pay it. That's exactly right. When you talk about the retirement system, it's a three-pronged approach. You have the employer contribution, the employee contribution, and the the investment income. What assurance can you give to retired county employees that they will receive their pension? Uh, My complete assurance. Okay. Marijuana tax. Do you support one? And if so, 
How would you implement it? Well, I've said, I think I was the first public elected official back in 1995 that they, they should legalize and tax and regulate marijuana. That was the direction that needs to happen. So uh, the they would be the federal government. Right. I believe it should be nationally legalized. You know, there's several ways, actually, with Prop 19. That's probably the biggest bright spot in Prop 19. It's going to not change much except for the fact that it will give local governments, cities and counties, the ability to put their some sort of a tax on it. I believe that we need to put taxes and fees on it some way the same as we do on land use issues. If we quit treating marijuana as a criminal issue, criminal justice issue, and treating it as a land use issue, I think we're going to get a lot further. We're going to, first of all, when we arrest somebody for marijuana, it's all a cost to all the taxpayers. If we put a land use regulation, regulated the use and the fees appropriate, you know, if, if you go out to do anything, whether you build a a little uh, small wood processing plant in your backyard, anything, you have to go and get either a major use permit or a minor use permit or whatever is appropriate. If we applied that to marijuana growing, we would, number one, it would be a revenue income instead of a total revenue loss, and it would be in fairness because the people that are doing it would pay the fees. What now, when somebody gets charged with a marijuana case, it's all the taxpayers that are paying the cost. There's an assumption in there that the people who are doing it would pay the fees. How would you deal with people who grow marijuana but don't pay the fees? Well, the same. I would I would deal with those people the same way that went out and put in an illegal operation of anything without the proper uh, permits. It would be as it's like a land use issue and a, a code enforcement issue. Let's move on to the topic of a second entrance to Brook Trails. Where would it be, and how would it be paid for? Well. In the 90s, when I was on the board before, it was assumed right after the Oakland Hills fire that Brook Trails was looking for a fire X without a Brook Trails. And all the, everybody, the whole effort was to make a second access, fix up an existing road to come to the south and tie it up with Highway 20. Uh, since, you know, I was off the board for eight years and they come back, now the emphasis, well, we not only need a fire exit, we need to, a, a traffic circulation road in a very more expensive project, and the majority of the board supported going to the north. And uh, when I come on the board four years ago, we got some money and done a study, and uh, there's several routes to, uh, and I was instrumental in keeping the south route still in there and actually an existing road to the north route in there. You know, I really feel I'm kind of a realist. I really believe that we need a second access out of Brookfields. There's no doubt about that. But we have to do something that's affordable. And Brookfields second access road doesn't won't apply much for any state funding on our STIP or anything. So it will have to be basically generated from the county or uh, via the people in Brookfields. But I want to build something that we can afford and won't tax people out of their homes. How about improving or creating a better access to the Central Valley from Covalo? Well, I've always supported, as you probably remember, when in the 90s, I, I really pushed for the upgrade of the Forest Highway 7, which went from Round Valley, Covalo area, over to I-5, and I got strong opposition from the environmental groups because they didn't feel that they wanted to upgrade that road. They wanted to keep people out of the forest. It's a main road. I, I'd like to see, you know, you could po pay part of the road, probably at the higher elevations you wouldn't want to pay it, pay it because you have snow removal. But I think to make it a better road to where a person with their motorhome or something could come, uh, say, on I-5 and say, hey, I'm going to go over this way and go into Covalo. The study showed back in the 90s it would have brought up only about 250 more trips a day, which is a lot that's that's only uh, 
10 an hour, basically, less than 10 an hour. But it would have made the difference in maybe keeping a restaurant or a coffee shop, giving a little more business in Covalo, maybe for a 24-hour gas station or something like that, which Covalo desperately needs. Because after about 8 o'clock in the evening, you can't get a gallon of gas in Covalo. So uh, I supported that. Uh, it was totally crushed by the environmental movement. Uh, I really believe because we got a, a Congressman Thompson's in a real high position that that's something that I'm going to bring up here in, in the near future because I think it's really needed and it's uh, it's not going to hurt our forest. Actually, one of the, the biggest thing that's hurting our forest right now is after we quit the multiple use concept to run out the loggers and the ranchers out of the national forest, we've replaced it with drug, drug cartels. I don't think by any environmentalist standard that that's a good trade, but that's where we are, and I want to change that position. It was a big mistake. And party, fixing up Forest Highway 7 is not only would be a great jobs project, but it would be uh, better for the forest and better for the people that use a forest. You know, what good is for the people in the United States to pay for and have our national forests if nobody can get into them because the road isn't good enough? Can you tell us about an epiphany or a eureka moment that uh, has impressed you or changed your life? Well, I think it's kind of evolved. I certainly, the big thing that's changed my life is uh, I have one daughter, and I know how four, she has four, three grandsons and a grand, granddaughter. No, so so they're, they, uh, they've certainly been a, a positive change for my life. I think maybe I look more to the future than maybe I did when I was in my 20s or 30s. But uh, th- that's, uh, that's probably the, been the, the, the positive change. And finally, can you tell us of an interesting book? You or, And finally, is there a book that you can recommend to our listeners? Well, what I really enjoy is is the history of uh, Mendocino County, uh, a real eye-opening book that goes way back to the early days of Mendocino County is a book called Genocide and Vendetta. It's about uh, what happened in the uh, northern Mendocino County back in the days when the uh, when the white men first come to the area and their interaction with the Indian community. It's very... Uh, it really makes you think a lot of and uh, how we treated people and in the interactions, but it's a very interesting book. John Pinches, candidate for third supervisorial district supervisor. Thanks for being with us on Radio Curious. Thank you very much for having me. In this edition of Radio Curious, we're visiting with John Pinches and Holly Madrigal. John Pinches is the incumbent 3rd District Supervisor. Holly Madrigal is the challenger. I interviewed them both in the studios of Radio Curious on October 8, 2010, and I asked them the same questions. We'll continue now with Holly Madrigal. So let's talk about the Willits Bypass. Where should it be and how should it be constructed? Well, the Wilds Bypass is a really hot topic right now. I have voiced some concerns about it primarily around the fact that it doesn't solve the problem. No matter what happens with the bypass, unfortunately, it only removes about 30% of the traffic. Most of the traffic in Willits is local traffic, people commuting. Um, I have issues around the safety and I have issues uh, with the expense. Do you have resolutions to the problem and to the issues that you have? I do. Uh, Basically, I think that we as the Wilt City Council and uh, the Board of Supervisors as a supervising body really need to prioritize 
small on the ground projects that we can get done in a reasonable time. Right now, the Wills Bypass has been going on for more than 50 years, more years than I've been alive. And needless to say, there's a, a large amount of frustration in the Wilts Valley as far as the current bypass project and mainly the fact that it doesn't really solve the problem. And right now, uh, it's somewhat mute since uh, Caltrans was unable to get a recent uh, Army Corps of Engineer permit that they were needing to get in order to be fully funded for that project. So right now, the project is in a state of limbo. So I put forward a resolution to the city council in order to what I was hoping to do was to take a certain amount of funding of local match funding, transportation dollars to put towards some small local traffic projects like uh, connecting Railroad Avenue is just one example. But there's there's a number of traffic issues we have in Willits right now. The main issue is uh, the uh, north and southbound traffic on Main on Main Street in yes. Willits. Are there other ways of resolving it beyond a bypass, a freeway bypass? There are. Uh, Connecting Railroad Avenue is one example. We are also still having issues at Sherwood, where Sherwood Road meets Highway 101. That's a continual problem uh, with, uh, I think, over 4,000 people living up in Brook Trails coming in on one collector road. Uh, So there's been an option put forward to put a roundabout there is one example. These these are issues that are not going to be solved by the current bypass project since there's no Highway 20 interchange, only two exits. Okay, well, let's uh, move on and talk about the redistricting, the reshaping of the supervisorial districts. After the census that was taken this year, the population of the county will be revealed to the supervisors who will then reshape the districts. It seems the indication, the indications that we have now seem that the population on the coast is less than it was 10 years ago. How would you redraw the boundary lines for the supervisorial districts? I would redraw the boundary lines not a whole lot different than they are right now. You could sort of imagine, for those of you who can imagine a map, it divided into quarters. There is a small amount, I think, of gerrymandering, for example, in the third district, the Harris Quarry, which is right up on the ridge, the Ridge of Ridgewood Ranch, is actually not in the 3rd District, which... That's in the 5th District. It's in the 5th, but if you are on Muir Mill Road, for example, everyone to the right of Muir Mill Road is actually on the 4th District in, in on the coast, which I don't think makes any sense at all. I think it the general populated areas near uh, the Willits Valley and... Really, I think a good border is Highway 101 going north, uh, I think, is a is a reasonable border uh, for the third district, for example. Okay. Right now, Leggett is actually out of the third district, even though it's it's I say geographically much. I see geographical borders making more sense than population borders. Well, population borders is the law. Mm-hmm. One person, one vote. So the district sizes are equal. Uh, the issue may well come down to, will there be one or two coastal districts? Do you have an opinion on that? As I mentioned, I don't know if I would change it drastically from where it's at right now. I think that the needs and desires of the people on the South Coast do differ from the needs and desires to the North. And and really, 
what it comes down to as far as redistricting is the representation on the board of supervisors. But I think there's some challenges to supervisors digging in their heels with policies that are only good for their district when we really need to work together as a whole, work together as a whole board. I think that we've seen a lot of uh, fragmentation based on on regional lines over over this past term. And, and I think there needs to be uh, more cons- comprehensive planning for Mendocino County. How would you propose to pay the unfunded pension obligations, which are constitutionally mandated to retired county employees? I don't have the perfect solution uh, to our unfunded pension problems. I One of the things that I've been calling for since the beginning of my candidacy has been a full and open disclosure of the problem. Even right now, even with all the press that's that the unfunded pensions have been getting, there's still disagreement as to the total amount that we are under. There's disagreement as to the retirement board's uh, administering of, of the funding. I'm, I'm of the belief that every dollar that was put aside by Mendocino County to retirement should have gone into investments to pay for those retirement funds. I think the excess earnings uh, debacle is... They did go into investments. The trouble is they were poor investments, but the state constitution requires that the uh, uh, pensions be paid. However, it was suggested that that our current issues are entirely dependent on the fact that the economy has had a downturn, and that's not accurate. Uh, We took excess earnings uh, for a number of years, and I understand this is not going on anymore, but that those investments were taken to employee health care, which I completely agree that the the supervisors, past supervisors, committed to paying these health care costs, but I don't think it was adequately funded. Health care costs are separate than the pensions. Precisely. And so every dollar that the county put towards pensions, some of those, some of the returns on those investments were declared excess earnings and put towards health care costs, which should have been something different. I don't think the public fully understands the reasoning behind the lack of funding. Marijuana tax, do you support it and how would you implement it? I absolutely do. I support Prop 19. I'm talking about taxes, not permission. Specifically Mendocino County. Yes. I do support a marijuana tax and I think that it needs to be a comprehensive policy with not just Mendocino County, not just the unincorporated areas as being a separate Uh, taxation method from the cities in Mendocino County, and even multiple counties. I support a joint power agreement between uh, the Emerald Triangle counties on on marijuana. I think that that's because we really need a comprehensive policy that is region-wide. We're experiencing a lot of uh, there's a lot of raids going on specifically in the third district, specifically in Round Valley right now. And I think the the safe zone as far as um, marijuana enforcement is really not clear to our residents. What's allowed, basically the county has policies on what's allowed, what you're allowed to grow. And 
the federal government understandably doesn't recognize that. So I think as a So what I'm asking about is mm-hmm. taxes. Right. And how would you implement it? I think my end goal is uh legalization across the board. And so I would like to see taxation as a uh, sales tax. I I would prefer to have marijuana in with beer and wine. I'd like to have no I'd like to not differentiate between a grape grower and a marijuana grower. I think that's the direction that we're going to need to go and I think we already have an infrastructure a uh, manner in which to enforce enforce those policies. But in order to get there we're going to have to we're going to have to have change at the federal level. You mentioned earlier the possibility of a second entrance to Brook Trails. Yes. Where would you put it? I would put it on an existing road. There's a number of existing exits out of Brook Trails that are either uh, privately owned or there's a number of them. I think most of them are privately owned. I would prefer to pave and make public one of those already existing routes. Uh, I think those that will be the least expensive option. And I also think it's the most important because that is just an accident waiting to happen up there as far as fire danger. How about access to the Central Valley of California from Covalo? Would you support that idea? There is access to the Central Valley out of Covalo. There's an existing broader, dirt road. Broader access. A dirt road doesn't doesn't really cut it in the winter time. Right. No. And and anyone who's been out there knows that you can't go out there with four wheel drive. I would not support that currently. I, I'd be happy to hear more about it. Right now, I've been spending a lot of time out in Covalo in Round Valley, at the farmers market and getting a lot of input from residents, and none of them. They have a lot of concerns with consolidation of county services in Ukiah and in this area, but so far I haven't heard any anyone really pulling for that. Okay. And can you share with us an epiphany or eureka moment that's changed your life or been important in your life, given you new insight? Well yeah, I had a I had a Eureka moment when uh I've for a long time wanted to open up a slow food uh, culinary school in the former Van Hotel. And when I was struggling on how to work on this business idea, I had an aha moment when I realized that that I don't need to separate my values and business. I don't need to separate my values and my policy. That I believe very much in uh, grassroots efforts in the local entrepreneurship we have here in Mendocino County. And I need to ensure that my policies and how I will serve on the Board of Supervisors will really match my values in terms of sustainability and, and localization. And finally, uh, Holly, um, can you tell us about a book that you would recommend? I can. Um, on my nightstand right now, I'm reading, uh, it's called The Last Call. It's a book on prohibition of alcohol and how a, a country such as ours that so values our personal freedoms uh, made uh, consumption of alcohol illegal. And it, it ties into the current issues that we're having now with the marijuana economy. So I, I'm learning a lot from that. Well, Holly Madrigal, candidate for third district supervisor in Mendocino County. Thank you very much for being with us on Radio Curious. Thank you. 
In this edition of Radio Curious, we're visiting with John Pinches and Holly Madrigal. John is the incumbent supervisor. Holly is the challenger. The book that John Pinches recommends is Genocide and Vendetta by Linwood Carano and Estelle Beard. The book that Holly Madrigal recommends is The Last Call by Daniel Ockrent. There are over 380 Radio Curious archive editions on our website at radiocurious.org, where all programs are free to download, copy, share, or rebroadcast as you wish. We'd like you to use the whole program and ask that you give credit to Radio Curious. You may also subscribe to our podcast and receive new programs as they are produced. Click the podcast link at radiocurious.org. Let us know if you need a CD. We can make one for you. The email is curious at radiocurious.org. Snail mail may be sent to Post Office Box 7, Ukiah, that's U-K-I-A-H, California, 95482. The phone is 707-462-6541. Christina Onestead is our associate producer. You've been listening to Radio Curious. I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for joining us. 